Rutgers legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Chasing Poker Greatness, where we go deep inside some of the greatest minds in poker and share with you the story of their humble beginnings, how they got to the top, and where they plan to go to next. You'll gain insights into their thought processes and their methods for constantly improving their game on a daily basis, direct from them and in their own words. Today, you're going to hear from Shondell Pruitt. Shondell is an accomplished tournament player, streamer, and as you might not expect, real estate agent. He comes from a strong gamer background as a man who, surprise, surprise, fell in love with strategy games at a young age. Infatuated by the added element of luck in poker, he found success at the micro stakes cash games online before turning his attention and energy to online tournaments. Shondell had built up his bankroll to the point where he felt comfortable firing at $500 and $1,000 buy-in tournaments until a fateful day in mid-April of 2011 changed everything. Shondell had just binked attorney for 5K on his birthday, April 14th, when all of a sudden, poof, online poker disappeared overnight. I guess there's a lot that can happen in life, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this has to rank way up there in the category of worst birthday memories of all time. After Black Friday, Shondell couldn't bring himself to continue playing the game that he had invested so much of his heart and soul into anymore and quit playing cards for about four years before eventually returning to the felt. As is par for the course for poker players, the man has had some big ups and big downs over his career, but if there's one adjective I would use to describe him, it would be this gritty. He never stays down for long and continues to grow and improve his game on a daily basis. As we talk today, you're going to hear what he considers his biggest success as well as his biggest failure. He'll let us in on any regrets he may be harboring and explain what has allowed him to thrive in online tournaments regardless of the year or the competition. He's got some great words of advice about what you should and should not be thinking about if you want to make it in this great game. He'll also let you in on some secrets for finding methods of study that will improve anyone and everyone's game. Shondell's a shining example of what perseverance and hard work can get you if you're willing to put in the time and energy to chase your poker dreams. And so, if you're ready to do what it takes to be successful in your quest for poker greatness, Mr. Shondell Pruitt, has most definitely got some advice for you. Let's get to it. Shondell, my man, how you doing this afternoon? I'm good, buddy. How about yourself, man? I'm doing pretty well. I'm pretty, pretty chill. Weather's getting cooler, a little cooler anyway. I'm looking forward to fall. Yeah, it's beautiful here, man. I mean, I'm not looking forward to the fall as much. I love this time of the year, get the kids out. I walk a lot, so... I enjoy this weather because when it gets cold out, I can't walk, you know, here. So it kind of sucks. Yeah, you're you're in Ohio. So yes. in, in Atlanta, it's been 97 all week, which oh is my goodness. Been, <laughs> yeah, 
absurdly hot. Like I, <laughs> uh, I'm ready for pumpkin spice lattes at Starbucks and uh, <laughs> flannel season, right? A, a cool breeze. Yeah. Um, let's let's start this thing off by you telling the audience how did you get into poker? I know that you've been playing poker a long time. How did it start? For me, it started in college. You know, I would. Um, I think I was a senior in college, starting my senior year, and had a lot of friends to kind of play little cash game, home games, and I would always, I, I just started playing, like, there was a game every Tuesday night in one of my buddies' basement, and it was like a $20 buy-in, which is a lot of beer money, <laughs> uh, so we'd play that every, it was intense, and guys would, like, lose their mind over bad beats and things like that. It was, like, very competitive, and it was fun, a couple hundred bucks up top. So I would play that. And then I got into playing cash games all around campus. Um, and then we started going to Detroit because there was no casino in Ohio. Then we would drive up to Detroit and play cash games up there. Um, and then it just spiraled into playing online. And, you know, so, yeah, it was just a lot of little games to start, little house games, things like that. And then, you know, did took you, it to online. Did you have success in those games? Yeah, I actually did, man. Uh, I think at first... Nobody knows what the hell they're doing, you know, it's, but that, that's the cool part. You know, I was, I've always been like kind of a gamer, like played a little chess growing up, all kind of video game strategy games. So I'm always, I was very intrigued uh, with poker. I'm uh, like almost love at first sight. You know, I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. I can make some money and it's a strategy game against people, you know? So yeah, I had a little success at first, especially in the little cash games and uh, did very well with those. How does it feel to you to see the strategic depth in something and, and the challenge? Because that's something that obviously appeals to me as well, knowing that my thing is like when I first started playing cards or poker, I remember thinking that like there's depth here that I don't understand. I just, right. see, I just see that it's available. And that was a pull for me personally. Did the complexity, uh, the potential complexity, did that appeal to you too? Yeah, it's very appealing. It's almost more so than chess because, you know, chess, although not solved, there's guys that are just so good and see the game so many levels ahead. Um, but in poker, you know, the luck variable is kind of cool as well. You know, it gives it, it gives like new players and worse players an opportunity to win. But at the same time, strategically, you know, you can not need as much luck when you learn, when you become more skilled. Um, and luck becomes a smaller part of that. And I really like that aspect of it where there's a luck element, but there's a lot of skill and it's very complex. And, you know, there's just so much to learn with the game. It just never ends. I I study all the time and I'm always finding out new things. So it's always fresh and exciting in that way for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Not a lot of high stakes chess games out there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) uh, The luck element is 100% necessary. Um, yes. it's, it's a secret ingredient for poker being so popular, I think. Yeah, I agree. So tell me, so you go from, you know, going to Detroit, you're playing in your home games, uh, the tournaments, what stakes were you playing back in the day? Cause I know you got into playing online poker fairly early. What did that look like? Oh, well, um, for me, you know, when I was playing those little games, there was zero bankroll management. You know, I had a hundred bucks in my pocket. I was a college kid, you know, we were just spending the money and then, oh, there's a $20 tournament or there's uh, 
50 cent dollar cash game or something like that. And I just, you know, we, whatever money I had, I had to go play and make a couple, make some money. It was cool, you know? And, uh, uh, when I started playing online poker, I actually only had a $7. Um, I got transferred $7 from a buddy. It was after college. Um, I didn't start playing online. So then, and I started out playing one cent, two cent, man. I grinded up a roll from one cent, two cent. I would, I, I was very tight. I remember just having like in my head, I'm going to play eights plus like ace jack student plus and some garbage strategy and just play <laughs> super nitty because people are just dumping. And, uh, you know, just I played patiently for months, got it up to like a hundred bucks and I was pumped and then moved up to five cent, 10 cent, you know, just a natural progression went to five cent, 10 cent, six max to six twenty five, uh, ten twenty five. And then from there, um, I had a few thousand dollars and I started playing like $11 tournaments at like 2K or something like that. Started playing online tournaments and that went really well to start. It was kind of the fool's gold effect, you know, um, ran really hot early. This is easy. I yeah, just, it's easy. Yeah, win a tournament no or problem. two a day, no big deal. I think I literally won like, I used to play some singles, but there was like an $11 tournament, which got me into tur- uh, got me into playing tournaments. I started out as a cash game player. I won this $11 midnight tournament two nights in a row. And then I was just, oh, this is it. This is, <laughs> I'm printing here, you know, this is the printing factor. Solved. I got it. Solved. Yeah, this is easy money. No more cash games. So, yeah. Um, so from there, you know, I just kept playing tournaments. And then I got super lucky once, uh, won a trip to the Aussie Millions kind of uh, as a fluke. I don't, I wouldn't say a fluke. It was, I played a $20 satellite into a 320 which was a winner-take-all tournament to an multi-millions package. And then winning that, they ended up giving me the money, which was just a, a sick bankroll boost at the time for How me. How much was it? 18K. Woo. It was an 18K nice. package. And I probably at the time literally had like a 3K roll or something stupid. Yeah, you just 6 extra your roll. <laughs> yeah, just instantly. 6 extra the roll real quick, you know. So. No big deal. Yeah. But, you yeah, know, that was, that was fun. And punted a lot back uh, pretty quick, playing way too high. Um, would you, like what stakes did you play? 109s? Oh, I just went up and just instantly just thought I was a boss and started playing 30s and 109s. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I can play the 109s. This is nothing. I mean, I probably could, but I didn't have the, I didn't make the natural progression to the 109s. So there was definitely that learning curve, you know, initially. Yeah. You, you, you hadn't yet had the opportunity to understand variance and no, to understand no. a downswing and had the chance to build up your mental strength, right? Because that's really what variance is and overcoming it is building up your mental strength. So how, how did it feel going on that downswing when things were not going well? Um, it was, it was, it was bittersweet. You know, I, I didn't like make a whole bunch of life altercations just because I had that money. So it wasn't like, Mentally, it's more frustrating. I'm very competitive. So as the downswing is happening, I'm still working on my game at that time. I'm trying to understand, you know, what's going on. Why are these guys so much better than I am? Why let's, am I not winning? You know, let's just dissect that word for a sec. What do you mean by competitive? Like, what is the competitive drive look like? What's the internal dialogue? Uh, the internal dialogue is more of, you know, I believe in myself. I know I can compete. I see other guys doing extremely well at this. And 
I'm competing with myself to get to that level. And, you know, it's almost, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll study as much as it takes. You know, I've always had that kind of drive in poker. Probably one of the only reasons I'm here where I'll study my ass off or work my ass off or play as much, move down stakes humbly and, you know, get there, whatever it takes kind of deal. It's, it's really hard to explain. you like, I, no, it makes someone sense else can do it, you know, why can't I do it kind of deal? Like, it's kind of frustrating. Like they're not that much smarter than me. I just have to work. If I have to work twice as hard, you know, we'll eventually get there. That's okay. Type and, and mind frame, you know, that you said something that really strikes a chord. And I think is ultra valuable to the chasing poker greatness audience. And that's compete with yourself. Um, you're competing with yourself every day. You're not trying to be, uh, Phil Ivy. You're not trying to be, you know, whoever Tom Dewan, whatever, whoever your poker person is, you're competing with you and trying to be the best self that you can be every day after day, after day, after day. And that takes you a lot further than trying to be somebody else. I mean, who's to say you won't be greater than, I mean, it's a, you know, there you go. You, you you might be. be greater. You might be greater than Phil Ivy one day. You might go on a stretch hotter than Bonomo. Like this, it's not over. It's the story's not over. So you got to keep putting in that work. It, I just know nothing's going to happen if I take in an inaction and complain. And, and I, I love that. I love your, your internalization, your definition of competitive, because sometimes, sometimes I hear guys say, I'm just ultra competitive. Right. And then what that really means is they're sore losers. Um, that really means that they're going to lose and they're going to throw a fit and they're going to make excuses and they're going to blame everybody else for why they weren't able to win. So I am very happy (laughs) that (laughs) that that wasn't your answer. Um, it's very, uh, reassuring to me. I think that that that's an awesome mindset and way to be. And that, like you said, you, you, you wouldn't, I'm just going to go ahead and say you wouldn't be where you're at today without that mindset. That's what's carried you through. Yeah, that's it's it's a big part of, you know, I I took a lot of years off of poker after Black Friday. I mean, I'm sure we may get into that story a little bit. Let's get into it now. Let's get into Black Friday and where were you at for prior to Black Friday? Oh, man, I was um I was probably at my peak, you know. The funny funny thing is, you know, I had been playing poker for 6 years, you know. I was making 60 to 100,000 dollars a year playing the mid stakes. I was playing two sessions a day. Um, I would like wake up at nine to 10 a.m., you know, eat breakfast and what I play from noon till 6 p.m. And then take a break, go work out and play from 8 p.m. till night, five days a week. I was doing that. Um, So I was working my ass off and, you know, life was good. I had a nice role and everything. Probably had a little bit too much money online. What was your role? I know. Um, you know, it was, it was, it would hover between, you know, like 60 to a hundred, you know, between nice. all sites and bank, personal bank accounts, whatnot. Um, so I was very comfortable and I, I, I never really overexposed myself by trying to play one K's or go buy into a 10 K. I never really shot took like that. I would just always stick to, I'm going to play the occasional 500 here, or there, some shot take one K's during the summer. And then Five days a week, I'm just going to grind the 22 to the 109 to the 215s every day, you know. But yeah, I mean, life was good. Actually, funny, the craziest part is the night of Black Friday, April 15th, my birthday. Black Friday's April 14th. I won the Stars Big 27th, April 24th, uh, tw- April 14th. 
So the day of my birthday and the night before Black Friday, I ended up winning the stars. Big 27 for 5K, wake up in the morning, boom, Black Friday, no more online poker. And, April uh, April 15th, 2011. Yeah, it's, April uh, 15th, yep. Yeah, that's my birthday as well. It's yeah. an <laughs> inf- infamous day in the world of poker. Yeah. How did, how did it feel? How, how much did you um, have online? How much did you get locked up? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. I had, you know, um, a good bit. Yeah. Near 20 on full tilt, which was locked up. I, I was fortunate not to have a lot locked up on ultimate bet, you know. <laughs> At the time, I only had a few grand on there. So I was like, ah, that, that doesn't hurt too bad. But thank God, stars paid out two weeks after or something like that. But yeah, I had a I had a good bit on well, full tail. What were the emotions? What were you thinking? I was I was very like? lost. I didn't know because I wasn't built. Playing poker is not a resume builder. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Especially where the economy was in the time. Um, I was very lost, man. I was very, very depressed. I could not. I worked my ass off. To, I couldn't find a job. Um, I couldn't find a job I found reasonable or something I wanted to do. For about a year and a half, I was kind of unemployed and playing house games. I was, I was actually playing dangerous house games in the Akron area you know, carrying around too much money and these games that were very shady. And I just didn't appreciate, I didn't like that environment. So I couldn't do that anymore. Ever part of any robbery or uh, No, but I know people that were. And then most of these house games were just cheating rings, pretty much. I mean, guys soft playing each other, signaling, you know, dealers breaking $60 out of pots, you know, just whatever, whatever you could think of was going on happened i never was robbed or anything like that or seen it take place but i've heard of it happening at some of these locations but i just didn't feel safe doing that so i no longer considered that viable to risk my life to go play some cash games some illegal cash games you know for money uh so i had to i mean i was very depressed drank a lot you know (laughs) couldn't find a job trying to play those games and then eventually you know i just got into real estate took four years off of poker, I mean, I literally didn't play any poker, man. Um, started a family. Why you know, not? Why, why not? Any I was really just so sad. I, I don't know. I didn't really trust the online. We didn't have a casino here at the time either. Casino was just like in the works. And um, I was just pretty sad and sick of the situation. You know, I just figured it was a past chapter in my life, something I had to move on from. You know, and just take, you know, at least I had those skills and it got me to this point in life. You know, I kind of hung it up for a while, which was sad to me. And, you know, I had I've always had friends tell me throughout the years, like, hey, man, I think you gave up something great there. You were one of the best players that I knew. You made a lot of money doing that and stuff like that. And eventually that started to resonate and get me back on the grind. And uh, I had a guy I do business with invite me to a league that plays once a month, WSOP League. It's a lot of older people and stuff like that. And uh, it was a fun little league. I ended up winning the league, which was uh, for the WSOP main event. This is what really got me back into the game. So I was only playing poker once a month. But I ended up winning this league, winning the main event final game, which was a $12,000 package to play the main, which was three years ago now. And I played the main, just went out there strictly for that. I had been, I started back online just to get some volume in, you know. Where'd you, where'd you play? I was just I was just playing on um, 
ACR and, 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 and at ignition as well. Ignition, yeah, yeah. I just had like I just put like four hundred bucks on both sites, and I was just playing a little bit, you know, a few nights a week just to get hands before I went out to play the main. So I wasn't a complete fish, and you know, you, I just wanted to do I, well, you know. Of course, that because you know. that's who you are, right? I think internally, right. you're not you're going to the main to play <laughs> one tournament, and that's it, and come home. But you can't let yourself go out there unprepared. You just no, you don't no, have it no, in you to no. like to go unprepared. So you like it's like compulsive, <laughs> um, right. which that compulsive preparation to you listening in the audience. Get that. Find that preparation for the game. Don't just you know people people go out there with an expectation, but then don't prepare. Like always prepare. Yeah, you don't know. I mean, you never know. Like, uh, I, of course, I'm not gonna. I'm probably gonna be one of the. I mean, at the time, probably one of the worst players in the field. Compa- I mean, no chance. You know, no, no chance. I mean, not one of the worst. That's, I shouldn't say one that of the is, worst. That is uh, way too much humility <laughs> coming through. You're, uh, yeah. I, not know, just knowing your backstory and knowing how you treated the game, uh, your top 80%, um, especially in the main event field, for sure. Probably top, yeah, even top 90 or 95%. But I hadn't played in four years and I was only playing like low stakes online to prepare myself. But, you know, I went out there, made made day three and busted a couple hundred, maybe two or three hundred before the money. I don't remember. I was pretty devastated. But then I had, you know, a a decision to make with myself. Am I going to keep playing poker or am I going to just go back to, you know, still trying to be one of the at the time I wanted to be one of the best. I wanted to be the number one real estate agent in Ohio because if I'm doing anything, I'm trying to be the best. <laughs> so I yeah. was doing a shitload of sales and I was doing very well, you know, um, with that. I was doing like 20, 30 sales uh, a year as a solo agent, which isn't bad. I have no idea what to compare that to. Yeah, what, exactly. Like for, for a frame of reference, what is like a normal, what's an average year? For uh, the real average agent? real estate agent, according to the National Association of Realtors, <laughs> does six <laughs> transactions a year. Oh, wow. so, so I was reacting. I was doing like yeah I was I was I think I did like thirty two and then the next oh year, five exit wow. see I was doing a lot and I was kind of getting burned out doing that so I had to decide if I wanted to continue doing that and build a team and whatnot or if I wanted to continue to play poker and then just get that back up and took some time and uh, just decided to come back to poker you know and uh, yeah that's where we are now you know. I love that. That's uh, perseverance and the the poker journey is oftentimes not linear. Um, I can empathize 100% with all the post Black Friday emotions. Uh, I didn't realize at the time that I could get fired and I got fired and had had zero backup plan. And at first it was like shock and denial. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's going to be fine. I'll figure something else out. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit. I have who, nothing. What do I do with my who's time? Who's going to be paying me $100 <laughs> an hour for the knowledge that I have? Like nobody is going to do that, right? No, no. So um, I went the different route. I, I, I did play in a lot of the uh, home games. Um, also, uh, a lot of times scared out of my mind. Yeah. Um, just it's, it's a nerve wracking situation. The place where I lived is not ultra wealthy. And I would, I would play the big PLO games and cash out 6,000. And, you know, uh, some of these places, these games are big. This place had like 10 tables. It was basically a poker room. 
Right. And uh, they're like cashing me out, you know, in front of the one, two game. And I'm looking at them, but there's 52 bucks in front of them. And they're looking at me getting, you know, getting handed a stack of $6,000. And then I'm just out into the void at 2 a.m. walking to my car. And I'm like this, like I... It's so sketchy. Yeah, yeah, you get paranoid. I'm like, is somebody following me? Like, you know, I'm, you know, it's a, it's not a good situation. So I eventually opted to travel to play cards yep. because still, no matter how many people I asked, they wouldn't pay me a hundred dollars an hour to uh, <laughs> bag groceries or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> so poker was always a big part. But yeah, it's uh, our journeys are parallel. There, I'm glad you got back in. I think it's. Um, it seems like a passion for you and yeah. uh, passion drives people and motivates people and takes them f- far. What do you think your biggest poker success is thus far? Um, for me, honestly, I, I had, I, I've done a lot, you know, had a lot of little achievements. You know, I, I was, I had the opportunity of doing the best damn poker show with Bill Helmuth and Andy Duke twice. I was the only one to get to do it twice, but those aren't really like poker achievements. Like I've been out to Aruba. I've got to travel the world, but honestly, right now it's coming back to the game. And I had a, I really wanted to win a major when I got back. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that since I've came back to streaming and to poker um so what was that the major real- what was the score um i won the mad monday main event on ignition for 13k while also winning another tournament the day before i think it was the lucky sevens for like three three k and then i won i got second in the 109 uh the 16200k and then in the same day won the 109 six max uh 10k which went over for was that 5k as well so it was like a 20k over a 20k day and i I had the opportunity to do that two times in the calendar year and you know i'm not gonna i I was just really uh, it felt really good because up to that point you know i had got coaching and I, i i created a study group we study two times a week for about four to five hours a day and then i you know i just working my ass off and actually making these things happen after coming back to the game where I had to, I started at the micros, you know, I didn't just put a bunch of money back online. You know, I didn't buy my way to the mid stakes or the high stakes. I started out playing $3, $5 and $11 tournaments. And then I started streaming, you know, I was still playing, you know, at that point, probably $50 tournaments. You know, I wouldn't really play too many 109s too often when I first started streaming. So to achieve these things and build the stream, and doing it in front of people who support me is is just amazing, to be honest. I mean, that feels the best. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. What do you make of that success after taking the like? What, what does it What does it mean as far as setting yourself up in the future? Um, it just it just shows like, yeah. I mean, I'm capable of you know uh, playing very good poker. Capable. I, I just it, it means for me that you know uh, what's next. Like what. I have to work harder to achieve, you know, now I would, I would love to try to hit a six figure score or 50 K plus something like that. That's, I got my sights set on just bigger scores and just getting a lot better um, and, and working harder. You know, that that's, that's all that's really on my mind. Time to uh, unlock some new challenges. Yes, exactly. To keep, keep clearing, keep going, keep moving yes, forward. Um, exactly. So, 
what's the biggest regret of your poker career? Oh, what is the biggest regret? Uh, I don't know, maybe not coming back sooner or not really pursuing it. Uh, at not which, staying with it after Black Friday. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't seem it just didn't seem practical at the time. I still regret not coming back sooner, but I really don't have too many regrets. You know, I think when I played pre Black Friday, I, I did my best. I didn't punt off an insane amount of money or do anything too stupid. I'm sure I've spent you know done dumb things with money, but nothing too regrettable. I guess it's you know what what would have happened if I would not have stopped playing for four years, like how good if I stayed determined and stayed with it for all that time, what would my life be, what it would have looked like, you know, what, where would I be today if I kept playing and stayed as passionate, you know, that that's kind of something that always crosses my mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. you got time, you know, we're, <laughs> I'm still young. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, we're relatively young. So there's, there's time, right. There's time right. to, uh, bink all the all those scores and it's not like we have like a super time limit right this uh exactly doyle's like 130 or so and he's it's still, still crushing he's still bobby's okay. game <laughs> yeah, yeah right um so let's move on to sort of to, to the process of uh self-improvement as far as it's related to poker what would you say is the most high impact action you've taken to improve your poker game I've got, I mean, I went through phases, especially last year where I was extremely obsessed with trying to get better. Um, I can't tell you how much time I would spend a week. But for me, the most important thing is I formed a study group with a buddy of mine. I got 24th in the tag team event last year. And I teamed up with a guy I had just talked to, God's Big, Jared Gavin, uh, another streamer, God's Big Toe, good friend of mine, like one of my best friends in poker. Um, we started talking, you know, after we made the deep run in the tag team and we formed this study group and the whole objective is to utilize everything we can. If it's raise your edge, if it's different, some people get coaching. It's, it's, it's a group of about four or five of us and we just bring everything together. And, you know, I, I think that's been the best, you know, I get, I'm coached. I have a personal coach myself. You know, there's Pio, there's hand history reviews. I'm just, I'm just doing everything I can. You know? When you, when you say you bring all those things together, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I have a coach. So some of those concepts, everybody's bringing different concepts. So I might not have the entire time to study every single section of raise your edge or something like that, or someone may not have time to go through a certain concept on overbetting so we just all make sure we're taking notes taking the bet you know the i guess the cliff notes from those things and then we break them down and try to understand and study them on our own but i'm just getting a little i'm getting pieces of information from other very good players and we're kind of sharing those and you know uh trying to incorporate in, into our own game as well so so uh, ag aggregating information with capable yes. players and yes. then discerning the high impact information that you want to study deeper. Is that Correct. A, Correct. Cool. I think that's a, that's a good, that's a great way to learn. And yes. who, who's your poker coach, by the way, just give uh, it, Ryan give LaPlante. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan LaPlante. He's been coaching me for about a year now. What's his website? Uh, I know he has a website. Uh, learn pro poker. Um, 
it's great. It's only 25 bucks a month and the price will go up because he puts out damn good content. He's very good. And, you know, what's nice about that is, you know, he is very strong theoretically in GTO, but he understands how to incorporate exploitative strategies, you know, as well. And I think you need a good combination of both because people who get stuck at the mid stakes usually just really strong theoretically, but they don't, they don't exploit, you know, the bad players enough, even online. They just try to play theoretically sound, but that's not going to be the highest win rate because you got to exploit the bad players to make the most. Right. And you may disagree with this statement, but it's, uh, I guess it could be a polarizing statement, but I actually don't believe there is exploitative play. I think that there's only GTO and you have good data and great data and bad data. And if you're have incorporating great data, that allows you to play optimally versus people who are playing suboptimal. And that is the essence of exploitation. Right. Um, so to me, there, there really is only GTO. There's no, you're exploiting their tendencies with great data, if effectively, right? Fair enough. I mean, unless you have specific information on the type of mistakes they're going to be making. Like if you know a guy's just going to be always folding to certain size bets or they're just never going to continue as they should. Yeah, I just if, think if there you, are room. No, no. I know. see what you're saying. Yes. Uh, it's maybe it's semantics, but what I'm saying is, if you know they're never folding, if you put that information into a solver, into, into it's a going solver to tell you not to bluff, right? Right. I mean, this right. is so like it's all GTO, just just the level of data as far as how good it is and that you're using. So it's a you know, poker is a great game of data and co- data collection. I agree. And, and uh, I tell people be very be very wary of GTO. Be very wary of just incorporating things blanket across all situations because all humans are different and yep. get good at data collection that can that to me really elevates your game and uh you know there are people you know i hear people say oh well, i want to be balanced in this spot right and say, call it, say it's a live spot and i'm there collecting the data and watching and i'm like they never fold there like <laughs> you're trying to bluff to maintain a sense of balance when nobody in the world knows one way or the other, exactly. there's no sample size, and they're never folding. Like, why? Why bluff somebody that's never folding? Right? It's oh, just, I just have to balance my bluff range in a spot where somebody's never folding. Yeah. Right. Let's just torch some money and <laughs> say, you know, I have reasons for this, but I'm never going to tell you, and you know, people will just look at you like you're a fucking crazy person. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, that's my <laughs> right. went on my uh, little my little rant there, but it's just. It's so easy to excuse poor play by yes. by saying that it's GTO. It's like an excuse. Oh, this is GTO. So I'm going to excuse my bad decision. No, you're making an excuse for playing poorly and limiting your growth as a, as a poker player. Right. What is up, you future star of poker, you? Coach Brad here, and I just wanted to take a moment to let you know about PKC Poker. If you're sitting there wondering why, Why is Coach Brad promoting this PKC Poker app thing? Allow me a moment to explain my why. Battling in cash games has been my livelihood for the past 15 years. It's how I survive and put food on the table, which makes it imperative that I either test out or seek qualified opinions on all of the poker platforms on the market. One juicy find can mean the difference between a 
meh year and an amazing family vacation in Hawaii kind of year. With that said, I've tried almost all the major poker apps on the market to date, and despite the hype about amazingly juicy games, I've come away from the experience unsatisfied. I was just never able to find amazing success against seemingly weak competition, and in one specific case, was getting outright destroyed by passive villains playing more than 50% of their hands. What the heck was going on? After many evenings sitting in the bathtub, wondering if I had lost it, I finally dug into the data and learned something that shouldn't have been too surprising to you. These dudes were colluding and super using their pants off. So I swore off those free money, decentralized devil apps and decided to go back to my more familiar streets of ignition. It was then that I was contacted by a good friend of mine who turned out to be the vice president of worldwide operations at PKC. Him and I had a long, in-depth conversation about security, the ecosystem, and the future direction of PKC, and he managed to convince me to give it a shot. That shot turned into an incredible six months with an hourly rate that's about five times what it would have been playing on any other US platform. As it turns out, I didn't forget how to play. I just needed a level playing field to return to my crushing weights. I have no doubt that you, my community, my audience is going to play poker somewhere. And I wanna be damn sure that you don't go through the pain and frustration I felt by messing around with any poker app besides PKC. This is why promoting PKC is a no-brainer. I love my community, and I wanna put you in the best position to succeed at this game that we both love so much. So if you'd like to join me in the streets of PKC, simply head to enhanceyouredge.com PKC and get your invite code to play. You must have an invite code and you must be 21 years of age or older. One more time, that's enhanceyouredge.com PKC. Best of luck, and now, on with the show. What's something that you, you, you feel folks who are chasing their, their poker dreams don't spend enough time thinking about? I don't I just think people don't spend enough time studying. Uh, they don't think about bankroll management, studying. Like, I, I think people honestly don't realize how much you have to sacrifice. Um, I, think that's, I think that's the number one thing. Like, I, don't, I personally don't watch TV. I, I, don't, I, I don't have cable. I I've pretty much don't watch sports or anything either. I got to spend my time with my family, the kids, taking care of the house studying and playing and streaming like I have no there and, and try to stay healthy on top of all that like I don't have time to watch a whole Browns game I love the Browns and I love the Cavs and there's shows that look cool but I don't have you know I don't have time to I don't go out to the bars a bunch or you know with my buddies and do stuff like that on so the flip I, I side is I think it's pretty easy to skip Browns and Cavs games right now don't worry it's easy for me to skip the titans games now too i'm not uh you know we're we're both sufferers um in that sense but yeah like it it takes a lot and you mentioned something about bankroll and people not thinking about their bankroll enough can you expand on that well it's it's a little bit different like for me i even though i started with a small bankroll like I, i played it aggressively and i didn't just i still played low stakes but I, I still think for an eight, if I'm playing with a $400 roll, I probably should never really play a $20 tournament. Like that's not, that's not optimal. I, I would try to take and do that. But I, I think it's very important to stay in the framework of a bankroll management. I think it's a little bit different for everybody because 
some people have disposable income or job. They don't need to pull from the role. But I would just suggest that people don't shot take too much. Stay with, like, if you have a $1,000 role, you probably just stick with $11 tournaments. And then shot take a 22 here and there. Don't play $11 rebuys and things like that. And, you know, you're going to be all right. One thing, I don't know, I just want to touch on this because I was just kind of coaching somebody. I, I coach a few micro stakes players as well. Like building a bankroll is not just playing on one site. Like I think playing the best value tournaments across a few sites is going to be very helpful at your time frame, rather than just pigeonholing yourself in one place. I mean, obviously it's possible you can do that. I, I just found that very helpful throughout my career when I was coming through the stakes, I would always just find multiple sites and it would give me more opportunities and more volume. Uh, volume as well. And, you know, you might find a different player field weaker or population a little bit weaker than another. So that's one thing as well. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% in agreement. I tell my guys, I'm a a cash game player, so I don't play many tournaments, but always my advice is, you know, if there's a platform, if there's something new, test it out. Like at least least make a small deposit something that you're not super concerned about and test out the games, feel out the population, try yeah. Like if you can find a population that's much weaker than what you're currently battling against, find them, battle them. Like the more of those little holes you can find, the better your, the higher your earn rates going to be, your hourly rate improves, your win rate improves, you make more money. And as we all know, when you make more money, you can afford to pay <laughs> coaches, you can afford to buy all the training material, which also, you know, you, you invest in yourself. And yep. that, that also, uh, you know, your growth becomes exponential at that point. Right. Um, and, and I, I do have, I'm, I'm a cash game player. So I, I'll offer my contrary bankroll management opinion. And that's, that is, I don't think you should subject yourself to micro stakes if you have disposable income. Like so, so many guys will play five no limit and they'll get stuck there and they'll try to move up to 10 no limit. And, and I'm just, it, it, it kind of boggles my mind when you could go out and get any job and make more than battling in the streets of 10 and L. So, but the larger your bankroll gets, that's when you want to protect it, right? The smaller it is, you, you know, if you got a $400 roll like and, and you torch it, you can go get a job and make 400 bucks, right? You can right. replace that. If you got a hundred K and you torch that, okay, now, now you're hurting, right? right. So the, the smaller the bankroll, in my opinion, the more risks you should take and the larger, the smaller risks. But within, with that in mind, if it you're prone, disposable, right? Yeah. Like how much money you can get back into the game, how long you want to be in the game and whatnot. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just thinking a lot. <laughs> no, 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 cut me off. I don't care. No, no, I was just saying like, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And if you, if it kind of feels like a waste of time if you're really trying to move up stakes and you're 35 years old, you got a job and you're coming home and you're just trying to learn the game and you're just stuck at five no limit or something like that. Or if you're just stuck at $5 tournament, you can't go up, you know, why not just study a lot you know, study more than you play and then just deposit a little bit more money and play the 11s and 20s. I think people play, should be playing, studying a lot more than they're playing. I think people who are losing- What's the ratio? What's the ratio do you think? Oh, I mean, if I would say a a safe ratio would probably be 
if you're a losing player, you should probably be 70, 30. You should be studying 70% of the time. Wow. That's a big thing. Uh, I, I really, I, I don't think anybody who's losing is going to see the value in that because they probably just have fun playing. They're not really understanding that you need that much work. You know, they're just thinking there's probably luck involved or I don't know, like what, what we're really thinking at that. But I really think they should at least 60, 40 um, study to play. If, you, if you're a losing player, if you're a winning player, it needs to be, you know, I, I don't know where my ratio is now, but I'm studying one to like three to four days a week. And I'm probably spending four, eight, I do poker coaching in like 12 hours a week studying at the minimum and then i'm playing you know four to five nights a week so my ratio is probably 80 20 you know as somebody who plays as a winning player have we okay i want to study more what what does does that that mean what does that look like yeah yeah so if i wanted to study more what does that look like and i'm someone just trying to get better okay if i had no money what would i do where would i start there's free material everywhere for instance pokercoaching.com has free quizzes and things like that there's free content all over youtube and whatnot but i would say the most important thing you need is some kind of poker tracker to really take the analytics of your play if you're playing online and kind of seeing where your leaks are, seeing where you're too tight, seeing where you're losing the most money. How do you, uh, how do you figure playing. that out? Well, for me, I had to get a coach or find someone. I'm sure there's probably resources out there to kind of see what the baselines should be or what some winning players' baseline would be if you're looking at your statistics in a report on Poker Tracker 4. Um, but you kind of want to see what some of the best graphs and what some of the best HUDs look like and see – Okay, how, what am I doing wrong in my game? Or if that's too deep for you, just looking back through your hands and, and just replaying hands. So you're seeing your subconscious, seeing what mistakes you're making or where you're losing your money. Because I used to go through hand histories like, oh man, I could have opened that spot. Or you learn something about another player doing something. And I just think this all helps you process the information better and naturally get a little bit better as you're reviewing these hands yourself. And and this was touched on with another conversation that I had on the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast, that journaling, writing down your thoughts, and even if it's just stream of consciousness on specific hands that you've played, this is a tangible representation of your thought process. When you journal and then you look back on it two months, you can see how you have improved you can see the mistakes that you were making and it, it's a tangible, it's not abstract. You know, you can't say I'm getting better every day. I'm getting better every day. Well, how do you know? How do you prove that? Yeah. Right. We need some data. And I think journaling is another great tool that you can see like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. I am making strides in the right direction. I, I, I do see where I was messing up. You, would, um, you know what else is good for that? that? Streaming. <laughs> Streaming. Um, uh, I don't, if you've ever seen my stream, I talk through my thought process for every single decision, what I'm thinking about the villain's range, how I think I should be reacting in these situations through through everything. I'm not just clicking the button and then sitting there looking at the screen hoping, you know, I'm trying to talk my viewers through 
how a solid winning player thinks about the game and then what I think about different ranges and whatnot. And, and I'm always trying to improve in my thought processes and, and I'm always thinking out loud. And for me, that's the most fun. I don't need anything else. I need a few people to watch me and for me to be able to think out loud and always be have my brain going that way. Like, I really enjoy that. I've heard from multiple uh, higher stakes pros that when they re- they just record themselves play and talk through all of their decisions while yep. they're playing, even to an empty room. And they say that that is another high impact thing that helps them improve their game. But yeah, I, that's a, that's a great tool. Stream stream to nobody and talk to your th- talk through your processes, and then you can watch it back and review it later on. I think that's another great great tool for poker growth a, yeah i think that that that's actually a great idea then you can just see you can just take camtasia and you can record your or something yeah i think that's i think that would be very helpful um i used to journal back in the day i would write out my thoughts or write out how my sessions go and things like that or take notes and things like that so that's also a good suggestion something i used to do back in the day as well and, and on my website when people opt in they they uh, it's called the rate uh, the edge system but basically, it's a, it's a system of journaling and self-reflection that allows you to self-analyze how your thought process, how you played a hand, what you would do differently in the future, um, and that sort of thing. And, I, and that's ultra-valuable as well. But basically, ask good questions, tangibly track your stream of consciousness and your thought processes, and yep. then you know, review them and to, to make sure that you keep moving in the right direction. Yep. Um, completely agree what do you think people poker players spend too much time thinking about probably their on their misfortune it has to be they're getting unlucky rather than you know why am i getting so unlucky i took this beat i've been running bad A, a lot of those negative thoughts are very harmful rather than accepting that this game, there's a shitload of variance, there's nothing you can do about it. Even the greatest, most winningest players go through swings and that you should just be worrying about, did you make enough right decisions could, to afford taking that bad beat? Could I have made more chips that if I took that bad beat, that I would still have chips left, you know, uh, more so than just a lot, you know? How do you, what, what's your process look like to... Uh, neutralize those negative thoughts, those negative emotions, like just as far as like a pure actionable thing. Play a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I, I play, I play a ton of tables, you know, and I have to control myself as well since I stream. Um, and I want to be a good example. I, I'm not always, I get tilted as hell sometimes momentarily on stream, you know, but uh, I think. How do you recover? just telling myself mentally, like, you know, I have an audience here. I have <laughs> tournaments left. You know, I can, you can always day say, I can't tell you how many times I've been stuck on a Sunday and have won my last tournament to get unstuck or day saved or do something very well in my last tournament. And that comes from having a strong mental game where I know people, Oh, I'm running bad this session. I think I, I think I'm gonna just take the day off. Like no matter how bad I'm running in any session online, I'm playing it out. And I'm going to keep registering until my cutoff time. Every single time, I'm never going to stop registering a session because it didn't go well early. Like, because it just doesn't matter in the long run. It's one long session, and I, I think just mentally focusing on getting mentally stronger in those spots, or is what's going to help separate me uh, from some people who just want to give up because 
it's going too hard today or something like that, you know? And at the end of the day, you're probably going to like out volume them by two X at the end of, at the end of the year, I should say. Right. So, which obviously directly impacts your yearly rate as well. If you could go back in time, give that, that kid messing around playing cards in college, some wisdom, just have a conversation with him. What would that talk look like? I still, even to this day, I think I would have got better study. I I think I just would have, I I worked very hard. I I don't think I networked as well as I could have. What's the value of a network? What do you mean by network? Well, right now, I I just think I would, I wish I would have tried to work with better, better and better players. Cause I I was, although I was doing very well pre Black Friday, I was kind of just stuck at the mid stakes. I never, you know, hit a a massive, massive scores. You know, I got a couple 20K scores and a lot of 10K scores, 5K, but I never had the massive, massive success for as much as I played in the bigger games then. And I wish I would have just focused or maybe taken more shots back then. And when I say network, I mean, maybe reach out to players that were much, much better than me and work and study with them because I had a small group, but those were all guys that I brought into me that I were better, that I was better than. You know, so if I could go back, I would certainly uh, try to just study and work with players that are much better than me. And I think that would have helped move up. And I think finding people, if you're going to create a poker group out there, guys, make sure you find the people better than you, worse than you, if possible. You know, if you can find play, if you can have a group with all killers better than you, awesome, you know, but it's, it's really, I think you get to a point where it starts to get harder and harder to provide value to some of the elite players like that and be part of their groups. So um, yeah, like you, you, t- you talked about finding these crushers, right? What is, what does the process look like? Somebody's uh, sitting out there thinking like, Oh yeah, it's easy to say, find a crusher and get in their group. Like what is the a- actual like outreach process look like? Are you emailing oh, them? For me? No. Well, I mean, for me, uh, that's a byproduct. Uh, I guess, um, the positive thing for me about streaming, right? Like a lot of guys see how hard I work. They come in a stream or Ryan, you know, he's seen that I streamed and, you know, I'm an affiliate for those guys. And, you know, he, he, he was okay coaching me and he doesn't just coach any and everybody that contacts him. You know, he knows I'm gonna work hard and represent his brand well. And, you know, Jonathan Little as well, I had a chance to meet him and, you know, I'm a guest coach for those guys. Uh, they, it's just being out in the community, people knowing you're a hard worker. It makes it easier to contact and get come in contact with people when you're putting yourself out there as a hard worker, someone who wants to be in front of the community and not being shy. But if I was someone that was just a micro stakes grinder with nobody, you know, it would just uh, maybe at your maybe you at your local casino being a little bit more friendly in the one two games and things like that to some of the guys that are a little bit better than you, you know, buying somebody a beer one day and talking poker and then kind of, you know, expanding from there. I I can't teach people how to be friendly. You know, you just got to be friendly and nice and confident in yourself. I I will offer one one suggestion and it's a a trick as old as time. And that is grease the wheels. You you want Ryan LaPlante, you want Jonathan Little, uh, you want to get involved in their study group, buy their stuff, buy their coaching, <laughs> like become, yes. become a customer. I'm serious. Like, you know, it, it, I, 
if somebody just reaches out to me cold and they're playing microstakes and they're struggling, like I will respond and talk to them, but I only have so much time in the day, right? Right. Somebody pays $100 for a course or whatever it is and invest themselves into what I'm creating and me, then now I need to invest in that person and I need to give them as much value as I possibly can because they Agreed. took a risk in me. So then that relationship, you know, you're much more willing to engage. And I know uh, <laughs> it sounds, sounds kind of bad saying just bribe them, but it's really you're, you're investing in them and then they invest in you because you're a brand ambassador at that point. Um, you're going to represent them moving forward into the poker world. And plus, it's cool as hell as a creator when somebody buys your thing and, and spends money and says, hey, I like you enough to, to give you money for what you're yep. doing. So I would just add that as well. If if you know you're you're super shy, just you know get out the wallet. You know what? That's funny. You said I think I did it for both. Like I had I have a premium membership to poker coaching, and I had obviously before Ryan had his site up, I I contacted him to buy coaching. So there you go. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think that that's one of the secrets. Um, yes. Yes. So. If you could gift the uh, the Chasing Poker Greatness audience one book to read on life or poker, what would it be and why? Oh, I'm not a big book reader. Okay, um, what about a piece of content, a piece of media, something? A uh, document, media, documentary. Oh, man. A piece of content that just stuck with me or sticks with me. You got to give me like two seconds. I'm trying to think. I'm... I'm just so all over the place. I don't really, uh, what would I say? I don't know. I'm a big motivational guy, I guess. Like I'm a, uh, I like somebody like Eric Thomas, the motivational speaker when times get tough or I mentally start to feel fatigued. I would say for me, I find value in that, you know, the pieces of study, like I got a Will Tipton book here. I've been reading, you know, um, expert, no limit, hold him. I think that's a fantastic book. The Will Tipton series. Um, but for me, I, I, I think this is all mental. I think it's all mental game where you're ch- you, you just have to be able to challenge yourself. So whatever that may be, whatever piece of motivation you can find out there with motivational speakers, if it's music, whatever it is, being at peace, whatever gets you at peace, competitive and, you know, just take that route. I don't really have a piece of content I would... You hang will. my hat on. You're gonna you're gonna have one to hang your hat on. It'll end. We'll we'll end our show and then it'll like pop in your head like magic. <laughs> like, oh, there it is. It's yeah. this book. It'll it'll be in the show notes <laughs> for those of you uh after the show. We'll put you know, when it comes I'll have to when it comes to Shondell, yeah. uh we'll put it in the the show notes. It'll be there for y'all to check out. We'll also put the motivational stuff because Yeah, the airtime mo- stuff. I really like that stuff. That helps yeah, me. Motivational stuff is important and Mental strength, you're right. Every it, Poker is a mental game. And it, it's also a physical game, too. I think take care of your body yep. uh, because your body powers your brain, um, your nutrition, all these things, the soft skills that, it, that improve your poker game. But uh, being mentally strong, not blaming anybody else, just moving forward, asking yourself good questions, and uh, that, that, more than anything – get you places. Yeah. Those optics of just really focusing on yourself, your grind and your self-improvement in this game, not because it's easy to look out there and see a lot of people crushing and be like, man, wow, he's doing this. Why am I not, what am I missing? But you just got to focus on your own grind and that'll take you pretty, pretty far. 
and you don't even know if that's the real story, right? You don't. Yeah, even, you don't like, know if people are stuck how much or if they're backed or whatnot. Yeah, like somebody's been on on the tour for fifteen years and they've got eight million in winnings, and you're like, oh wow, you know, eight million in winnings. Well, yeah, they're traveling around the country playing ten k's everywhere. Like you're not taking out any of the expenses. I mean. Let's take yeah. out. Let's take out. Uh, let's just calculate all my cash game wins without subtracting any losses over the years. <laughs> and you know, I've probably won a hundred million dollars, right? Like, it's. Right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, don't don't be so hard on yourself. Everybody struggles. It's yep. just it's the nature of the game, and the people that can overcome that keep getting up. They're the ones that succeed in the long term. So uh, we got a few more questions here. If you got no time, um, yes, sir. What's something about poker you used to strongly believe? And you're, you've recently changed your mind. And what led to that change? Something, uh, I guess I used to, before I came back, I didn't know anything about the solvers. Like, I just thought, like, I know there was strategy and everything. I just think used to think there were just groups of people who could outthink the game. Yeah, I, before I knew, because I was out of the game for four years, and then I come back and there's <laughs> Monker Solver and all this stuff. I'm like, whoa, what the hell is going on? I used to believe, like, there were guys who just, have developed skills and strategies on their own, which, which is kind of true. And that was still taking place. Like guys were just working harder thinking and just had access to the better players. Um, Cause that was definitely the case pre black Friday where there weren't really as many solvers. I think there was still poker trackers, but no one really knew how to decipher them as well. There's C rev. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even think I was familiar with even that, but I don't know. I, I I mean, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff and something else I used to think back then that I don't believe in as much now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. I really don't know what that guy used to think as much, you know, after that much time <laughs> off. Uh, I just remember playing a shitload and being confident and thinking, I'm never going to do anything else in my life. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and like, then oh, this the is balloon... Easy. Gone like Friday. oh shit yeah. like now what yeah so yeah I, I used to just think like people were just able that, to- that's a thing right there yeah you used to think it would last forever that is it yeah I used to think there would I never I, I said it to myself many a times and I told it to my girlfriend now wife or uh, back then that oh I'm just gonna do this I don't I'm not even gonna worry about like I have a college education and you know a degree and everything and I just didn't think I was gonna do anything else and uh now I can't imagine only doing poker because I like investing and I like other, there's so many cool ways to make money. <laughs> you know, um, I, you know, I, I really, I love real estate. I'm not selling it as much, but I still love the game. And yeah, I'm always going to have a, a more hustles now. So than just poker. Yeah. It's uh fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to get fooled and have another Black Friday and then have to be like, oh, my God. Now I have kids, so I can't afford to. Well, you can sell them. There's a black market for the kids. You can (laughs) sell the kids. I've got two. I've got two. We can put them on there. (laughs) Maybe we can work out some sort of bundle. Right, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your current big goal, man? What's my current big goal? That motivates you, that drives you. Yeah, I would love. I just bought this house. I would love to just pay it off little bit of debt, nothing crazy, pay off all the debt in this house, man. Just pay off this house from poker. Told my wife I was going to do that. And that's what I'm going to do no matter how long it takes me grinding to do it. So 
chasing poker greatness audience. Pay attention to that. That is a great goal. That is, this is a man that knows how to set goals. Um, that's an emotional goal. It's driven. You, you know, it's not a, it's not a, I'm going to win a WPT 10K event. He told his wife he's going to pay off his house. It's emotional and it's tangible. Um, and it's something that drives you, right? Taking care of family, providing yeah. for your family. That's something that that pushes you. Um, just pure money, pure prestige, pure fame. That's what that doesn't do it for me. It doesn't do it for anybody. They're, they're tox- yeah. toxic goals. Uh, there's no longevity. They need to be emotional and mean something. So when you're thinking about setting your po- poker goals, think along those lines, right? Um, make them emotional because um, emotional goals drive you. Um, they motivate you when you don't feel like going. Uh, they motivate you when you're getting crushed. And remember to tell people about that. Like I told my wife, I'm exactly. going to do that. And, and now you have a sense of, I have to get this done. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't okay. want to disappoint her or myself. Like I have to do this. Like there's no, there's no failure in it. You know, I just, it, it kind of helps it resonate and it, and it just helps you stay motivated when you know you've told somebody else about your goal to do something like that. And we all have a self image that we want to live up to. And when you verbalize that, it makes, it makes the goal stronger. Tell people, you got to create accountability. Um, yes. Every, every goal needs accountability. When you tell people, you know, you can say, ah, uh, think to yourself, oh, I'm going to quit smoking. Uh, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. When you get on Facebook and you say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds by this date. And then everybody's cheering you on. Now shit got real. Now yep. people are counting on you. Now, when people are going to call you out on that date, you better have be working towards that goal. Right. Yeah. Um, so that built in accountability is just massive, massive. What's a project you're working on that's near and dear to your heart? Well, I got two. Um, I think I mentioned it before. Like, well, one with the stream, you know, um, I don't really have a lot of goals. Like, I'm not one of the guys that thinks I'm going to be the biggest streamer in the world or I'm ever going to beat out Lex Valdhouse or anything like that because we're not in the market for it. I'm not in the European market. I'm, I don't play stars of poker, a, a party. So that's not possible. But I do have a goal of, continue i just want to be one of the top american streamers and i think i'm doing a pretty good job of that right now for my time slot and you know a a pretty cool goal is i've got an opportunity to create some content for poker coaching and uh i've got a couple quizzes that are allowing me to make more so i i want to expand that relationship into a full-time position with them you know i think that would be pretty cool um as well so little projects like that for me and then you know Outside of that, real estate, I'm trying to get into real estate investing. I would like to buy a few houses, flip those this year in my spare time, and you know, just start there as well. Awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. At the end of the day, what would you like your poker legacy to be? And how would you like the, you know, the poker community to remember you? Uh, just somebody who has worked extremely hard, probably. Um, you know, I, I don't... Like when I stream, I'm just mentally, I'm always trying to tell myself to play hard, leave it all on the table, not take shortcuts, not get lazy, try not to get tilted and, you know, get a little bit better every day. Where does that positive self-talk come from? Like, where does it emanate from? I mean, I was, I've always been an athlete my whole life. Um, I was a football player. I think uh, the wrestling aspect of it, I was a wrestler as well, a pretty good wrestler. 
and um, ran track. But I think like the playing football and wrestling, as hard as those sports were, and I was all in when I was in school playing those. So it really kind of changed me mentally, especially something like wrestling, where it's mano y mano. If you get your ass kicked, you're going to be getting your ass kicked in front of a bunch of people. But, you know, that's accountability. Yeah. <laughs> that's accountability. Like, and all you got to do to not get your ass kicked is work harder and be better than somebody else. So I'm always afraid if I, if I don't work hard enough, I'm not going to achieve my goal. I, I don't know. I'm just very determined that way to keep grinding and just trying to see what my best is and compete with some of the best guys in the world. I always have that dream of, you know, playing as a super high role or something against D Peters or being at a final table against Alias Aromovic and, you know, some of those guys. And, you know, I'm looking forward to those days. You know, I, I dream of those, like, all right, all I got to do is get a little bit better today. And it's a slow process, but that's kind of where my head is. You know, I don't, I don't have many doubts that you will get there. Grit, perseverance. These are the indicators of a successful human. Always be gritty. Always be perseverance. Positive self-talk. Stop saying that you're the worst. Stop saying that you're horrible. Stop saying that you suck. Ask instead how you can get better. Build yourself up. It's very easy to tear yourself down. And in the poker world especially, people do it all the time. It becomes yeah, common. so much that, losing. That negative people, self-talk. There's so much losing in the game. I mean, you're going to get wrecked. Uh, you're going to have so much times of losing. And no matter how much you study or work, I mean, you're, you're going to go on a downswing. Like there's nothing you can do about it. It's just understanding that lose the less during those times and just keep working to get better. And then your upswings will just be much greater, you know, and you'll lose less during your downswings, the better you get. So I'm always trying to achieve, you know, getting those margins better, you know, losing less on my downswings and winning more on my upswings. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where that emanates from. Awesome, man. That's an awesome answer. Uh, I'm super, super glad for this conversation. I know that, uh, you know, I've learned a lot. It's a lot of, a lot of value for me, a lot of value for the, uh, for the audience. And final question, um, where can the Chasing Poker greatness audience find you on the interwebs? Yeah, if you guys want to find me, you can find me on Twitch. I stream four to five nights a week. Uh, always playing a pretty big session on Sundays. I play mitten high stakes tournaments. Like I'll be playing a $450 tournament this uh, this Sunday. Probably 2K in buy-ins. It's not the biggest schedule compared to guys that are out there to play 20K on Sunday, but we'll get there. And, you know, I play five nights a week. Yeah, Twitch, you can find me on What's the Twitter. UR, what's the URL there and what time is um, stream? Yeah, the streams. I generally streams at start my streams at eight PM Eastern, eight PM Eastern. Uh, Twitch backslash Crazy Sixes spelled out. Um, no sixes, Crazy Sixes, and then <laughs> no sixes, but sixes. No, 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 no yeah, not, it just not spelled, no, not the number sixes. Just yeah, that, yeah, spelled out sixes. And then uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chandel Pruitt, um, and then. I'm not very active on Insta. I'm very, I'm, I'm more active there um, on Twitter and then my Twitch. I'm very active there. So yeah, you can find me five nights a week on Twitch and I'm going to stay consistent. The stream's been going amazing. You know, I'm getting over a hundred viewers 
during my time slot at night, which is great. You know, stream's growing. I got over 100 subs now on my channel, which is kind of a milestone for me. So, uh, yeah, man, those are that's where you can find me at. It's awesome, man. I look forward yep. to uh, following your journey moving forward and uh, doing this again in round two in a couple of years, talking about where you've gone since since this talk today. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me. It means a lot, man. And thank you guys. Good luck, everybody out there listening. Remember, just stay persistent and, you know, just keep doing your best. Try to study and be, you know, be patient as well. It's you're going to have tough days, but just keep trying to get better and you'll you'll find more successes than the guys who quit or give up. And I think that's what it's about. Well said. And uh, all right. Take care, man. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chasing Poker Greatness. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please take a moment to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. And once again, I also wanted to let you know about PKC Poker. If you're on the lookout for a new platform where the games are safe and secure and the action is amazing, head to enhanceredge.com slash PKC to get your code and jump into the games. You must have a code to play as well as be 21 years of age or older. One final time, that's enhanceredge.com slash PKC. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time on Chasing Poker Greatness.